0: Have you noticed that in the American church, there's a split between the excellence in worship crowd and the spirit-led worship crowd? Let's talk about it. Welcome to Blueprint Sounds. My name is Nathan Smith. Thanks for joining me. Today, we're going to be talking about excellence in worship versus spirit-led worship. But first, I want to give you something. If you go to my website, blueprintsounds.com, you can get access to my free guide called 25 Chart-Topping Arrangement Tricks. If you have a song that you've been doing with your band that's okay, but you wish it had another gear, download this PDF. It gives you 25 great ideas for ways to make your song more interesting. It gives you a couple sentences about why that trick works, and then it gives you a song from the radio so that you can hear the trick in action. Again, go to my website or click on the link nearby, www.blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25tricks. All right, let's talk about the two camps in worship music. First, let's talk about the Excellence in Worship Church. At this church, things work. The lighting is good. The sound is good. They've worked on it. They've brought in outside help. They've spent the money they've invested, and things operate well. People show up on time. The transitions from one song to the next are good. Everybody is well-dressed. Maybe they even know how to move up and down on stage from song to song. It's just, it's got some polish to it. Then right before service starts, the excellence and worship team will gather and the prayer will go something like this. Lord, we offer these gifts to you. We offer what we've prepared Lord, we've done what we can do. Come and do what only you can do. And the feeling innate in there is that what the excellence and worship crowd would be comfortable with as far as an interruption from the Lord would be maybe if the lead pastor came up during the last song and sang the chorus with them. You know, that's that's sort of what we can handle. But for the excellence and worship crowd, any large derailments are exactly that. They're derailments because we have to be done in order for third service to come in. We can't really we can't really go off of our script too much because we've done a lot of preparation, we've done a lot of effort in getting this thing to be a well-oiled machine. If we go off script too much, that would be a deviation from the norm. It's not that God couldn't interrupt, it's just that he rarely does because it's not expected. It would sort of be like one of those period romance movies where the leading guy and the leading girl are dancing together in the ballroom and then the other gentleman who wants her affections comes and cuts in and dances with her. It wouldn't be impossible, but it would be a bit not done. We'll put it that way. Next we have the spirit-led worship team and the big word in the spirit-led worship team is flexibility because The worship leader is kind of a loose cannon. You never know if he's going to have changed something like right at the last second because he was feeling something else and didn't bother to communicate, you know, what that was with the bass player or the drummer. He definitely hasn't communicated the lyrics to the person running the slides. The sound guy is not quite sure what's going to happen next. But hey, they're spirit led. So wherever the Holy Spirit wants to go, that's where they're going to go. If we're going to stay here five hours, that's okay. If God wants to blow up the building, that's okay because we're being spirit-led. And so you can see the extremes on both sides. On the one hand, the excellence in worship crowd really, really focuses on synchronization between people, right? Our systems are good. Our, our communication is good. We observe best practices. We're really good at putting on a production because we can synchronize among individuals, and you can do quite a lot with that. Synchronizing with God well, that's, that's sort of an add-on, right? But it really wouldn't, if, if it push came to shove, it really wouldn't change your service too much if God was going to take a week off because you could still run that thing. Over on the Spirit-led worship side, synchronization with God is always the first thing that they're thinking about. God, we just want to know what you're doing. Holy Spirit, come. We have no agenda. You'll hear that a lot. We just want exactly what you want. And yet their synchronization among individuals is lacking, and it's often lacking because of a lack of discipline. The danger is that the Spirit-led church says, okay, because we're synchronizing with God so much, because we want to be so in tune with the Holy Spirit, we want to do whatever he wants to do, that it doesn't matter if we're not synchronizing among individuals. It's okay if we give each other whiplash. It's okay if our leader just whipsaws wherever he wants to go and everybody else is in the lurch and he creates a lot of work for other people or a lot of stress because he's being led by the Spirit. And our job is to synchronize with the person who's saying that they're being led by the Spirit. So we have this tension, right? You've got either you can synchronize among individuals and maybe not so much with the Lord. Or you can say that we're really going to synchronize with the Lord, and the discipline of synchronizing with others, you pretty much toss out the window because it seems too hard. If I was going to liken these to different events, the excellence in worship crowd is sort of like a roller coaster. You build it, and it's going to be good. It will go up, it will go down, it will do some curly cues, and it will come back to the beginning, and it's predictable, You do not want an unpredictable roller coaster. You do not want to land 20 feet or 100 feet away from the track that you started on. And so people accept that, that when you're on a roller coaster, it's going to be fun and you'll get heightened emotions, but it will be predictable and it will end on time. Over on the other side of town, past the railroad tracks, there is the rodeo. And in the rodeo, nothing is predictable. The rider and the bull did not train for months before the event. The bull does not want to be ridden by the rider. There is no synchronization happening there. If it lasts, it's going to last for eight seconds maximum. And so people come to see the spectacle of desynchronization and the danger involved. It's in a massive display of power, but there is no synchronization between the bull and the rider. We're just hoping that people don't get gored too badly. And so in the same way that some people like roller coasters and some people like to go to the rodeo, Some people like excellence in their worship, and they like it predictable, and they like it well done, and some people like it spirit-led, and sort of the chaos is part of the experience, right? But what did God intend? Well, let me show you a few stories from scripture that show how we're actually supposed to synchronize with God and synchronize with others in the proper way. So here I am in Luke 2. And this is where Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus to be circumcised, which is in Jewish culture, eight days after the young boy's birth. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him to do the custom of the law, Then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you had prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. I'm going to skip down a little bit to verse 36. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, serving day and night with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. Look at the synchronization that is happening in this story. First, we have Simeon. A man advanced in years, and it says the Holy Spirit was upon him. So he is obviously Spirit led. And yet it also says that he was a devout and righteous man who had been waiting for the consolation of Israel. So there was discipline in his life, clearly. And it says that he's led into the temple by the Spirit at the exact moment that he intersects with Mary and Joseph. Just think of the synchronization that God has to do to to get that to work. Because he has to plan Jesus' birth for the right day so that eight days later, they're going to come to the temple and Simeon is going to be there, but not just Simeon. There's also Anna, the prophetess. Same thing. She's 84 years old. She's been a widow for most of her life. And yet she is devout and and she's been fasting and praying. She's been doing the hard work in the temple, praying for the consolation of Israel to come. And she also comes right up to Mary and Joseph at the proper time and tells everybody around Mary and Joseph that this boy is the savior of the world. An absolutely incredible moment of synchronization because what's going on here is actually a legal proceeding. Mary and Joseph are fulfilling what's required by the law, and another portion of the law says that for something to be proven in Jewish court, you have to have two witnesses. Well, that's Simeon and Anna. So God has actually orchestrated something in a lawful manner because all three of the parties, Mary and Joseph, Simeon, and Anna, have been synchronized to God. God has synchronized them together to meet at the exact right moment in history so that they could bless that child. So here's the sequence and here's the components of that synchronization is first to synchronize with God, but bringing your discipline and your maturity to bear to that synchronization. Here's what I mean. Oftentimes when people cry out for revival, we need the power of God. We need the the glory of God to come. That is a good prayer. That is the right thing to pray for. However, there is a component missing, and that is that the glory of the Lord, when it comes, does not automatically make you more mature, and it does not make your community more mature. It does not make them more disciplined than they were the day before the glory came. Without that, without the discipline, without the devoutness and the righteousness, you will blow up. I guarantee you. It's only a matter of time before that happens. However, if you try and build and you try and synchronize on your own among people, if you just try and build the roller coaster, the glory hasn't come, right? You can do a lot and you can actually build some impressive things on your own among people. But if you do not synchronize to the Father, something will be missing and you will miss out on the greatest thing that you could have had, which was having God orchestrate things for you among people. The synchronization has to happen in this order. We synchronize to God first. He brings the correct synchronization among the right people for his purposes. Let me give you one more story that illustrates the point. Here we are in Acts 2. We all know the story. Right before Jesus ascends to heaven, he tells his disciples, do nothing until you receive power from on high. Go and pray. Synchronize with me first. And then we hit chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire, distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Of course, we know the next part of the story. People say these men are drunk. Peter gets up and gives an amazing short sermon by modern standards. And people say, what must we do to be saved? And he says, be baptized. We'll skip ahead to verse 40. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized. And that day there were added about 3000 souls. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. So look at the sequence again. We have disciplined, righteous people who have dedicated themselves to synchronize with the Lord first. When the timing is right, God brings about the synchronization with others. Peter gives a message, 3,000 people are saved in one day and the church is born immediately. That sequence and that model is how God expects us to lead worship today. If we only try and mobilize and synchronize people, and if we get our sound and our lights and our, our clothes are coordinated and everything looks nice, but we don't first synchronize to the Father, it doesn't actually bring any transformation. It doesn't change the world. On the other hand, if we only try and synchronize with the Holy Spirit, we just want to do what you're doing. We just want to do what you're doing. And yet we don't bring the discipline to be able to synchronize with each other. Then we're loose cannons. It's like being at the rodeo. It it can't possibly last. It will eventually implode for lack of discipline and character and maturity. Just because right now the American church is bifurcated into two camps, the excellence in worship crowd and the spirit-led worship crowd, doesn't mean that we aren't called to walk in both. It just means that most don't. So here's my advice for you as a worship leader. Embrace disciplines. Practice. Get better at your craft. Widen your skill set. Go deep. Learn how to lead people. Learn how to not whipsaw each other around and actually build your communication skills so that you can have a system that works because that honors God. You're stewarding the gift. And synchronize with the Father. Go deep in that first and wait to start building the empire, right? Right? Wait until he gives you the timing and the people and he brings the synchronization. Because guess what? His synchronization is way better than what you could try and do on your own. Human achievement would have never brought Simeon, Anna, and Mary, and Joseph, and Jesus together on the right day at the right time. Impossible. Could not have happened. Human achievement could not have birthed the church in the way that Peter's sermon, he could have spent weeks trying to pen it and write it just perfectly, would never have worked because the power of God had to be present, but it also had to be in a disciplined and righteous vessel. Hey, I hope that video helps you, and I hope you feel encouraged that excellent spirit-led worship is possible. Again, go to my website, blueprintsounds.com forward slash 25tricks if you need help with your arrangements. And until next week, God bless and goodbye.